Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Welcome into Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. The second half has begun. He is Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Boy, that was a fun afternoon game over there at Wrigley Field on an absolutely beautiful day. Then the White Sox got it going last night in Oakland. Mike Fires was awfully good and not a lot of interesting stuff, frankly, about that major league game last night. But uh, here we are underway with the second half, Bruce. Uh, you're right, Matt. And inside the clubhouse, uh, brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, the finest food on the North Shore, to be sure. The best deli, no doubt. The best bakery, without question. The place for parties, for business meetings, you bet. 10 to 150 people can be handled Full dinners with all the trimmings from 4 to 9 p.m. every day feature chicken, skirt steak, and the freshest fish in the city, Max and Benny's corned beef and pastrami that can not be missed, fill you twice. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border, Max and Benny's in Northbrook, where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. And Matt, you're right, uh, the second half started out perfectly for the Chicago Cubs with them winning and the rest of the division losing, uh, continuing a trend, hopefully, for the Chicago Cubs and their fan base of having played the best baseball percentage-wise in all of baseball over the last four years. White Sox lose in Oakland. Uh, Nova starts this season, gives up a couple bombs early. The second half he starts. And, um, you know, where are the White Sox going in the second half? Where are the Cubs going? That's what we're here for with you today. 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 670 The top of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football from the Northwestern Football Update Studio. Join Coach Fitz and the Big Ten West Division champions at Ryan Field this fall when they host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season and single game tickets on sale now at nusports.com. For me, the White Sox story is Luis Robert. Two games now at Charlotte. And we were having some fun with the small sample size there, Bruce. He's, what, four for eight in two games with a couple homers and eight RBIs? I think the numbers are pretty good. Bring them up now. How about it? Okay. It's three different levels at this point during the course of the year. You told me he's got an OPS of, what, 1.041 at three different levels. Now just two games at Charlotte. How many does he need down there? We promote no wine before it's time. You know, um, I mean, it's uh, he, he has still more work to do down there. He's an exciting talent. White Sox Nation should be excited and thrilled about the opportunities going forward. But uh, he's going to have to dominate there. So far, yes. Uh, will service time be an issue for Luis Robert? Uh, we don't know that at this time. But we do know 
that looking ahead to the talent on the Chicago White Sox and the ability of those players to impact games, the young guys for the future, that's been the fun part of the first half. Let's see if it'll continue in the second. I know I'm jumping the gun on bringing him here, obviously. I just, he happens to be the guy that I'm most excited I, about in the whole system. I see your fan hat on. Yeah, right? And, and you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. That's who we try to relate to here on this show. A $26 million signing bonus. They paid another $26 million in tax. So that's a sunk cost already of $52 million. So, yeah, as you mentioned, the service time rules are the same, but do they matter less in their mind because of how much they've already sunk into him. I, I don't believe, know. I believe yes. I mean, we might be proven wrong, and he might end up coming up the third week of April next year so that they have that extra year service time. They certainly were going to do it with Eloy, and once they sign him to a long-term deal, maybe we see the same thing with Luis Robert. Right. We'll have to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, on the big league level, the news is at Wrigley yesterday, and how about the excellence of you, Darvish? Uh, six innings. He threw five different pitches, Bruce. He got 15 swings and misses. Five different pitches is actually less than he often throws. He usually throws like seven. So he minimized it a little bit, but he was aggressive early. He threw strikes. That was really, really good, you Darvish. Well, it was a different you Darvish. Before the game, I asked uh, Joe Madden about whether or not, uh, you know, he, uh, um, why he had given up 20 home runs in the first half. And, uh, Madden talked about uh, the fastball and uh, the fact that uh, they were taking advantage of the fastball. If you watched the game and you were in the booth yesterday, so you watched it attentively, Matt, uh, he pitched backwards. In other words, he was getting ahead with his breaking stuff. His curveball, as as he said, was anywhere from 58 miles an hour to to 80 miles an hour. Uh, He was using his splitter. He was using his change. So... uh, uh, he was spotting his fastball rather than letting them sit on it, and he was dominant. It was fun to watch. And as a matter of fact, let's listen to you, Darvish, after the game yesterday, talking about his stuff with reporters. Talk about executing the game plan that you guys had uh, pretty well today. I mean, it seemed like yeah. Yeah. Was, everything was working very well. Um, against the lefty, you know, just change the speed. That's it. Split finger. I mean, you had seemed like you threw that more than in the past, and it worked pretty well. Yeah, but you know, when I throw the split for lefty, they don't chase. So I changed. I th- start throwing the changeup after the third inning. That worked well. Inning by inning, you had the fans behind you all the way. How did it just make you feel as a person out there? Um, you know, they always help me. You know, when I doesn't matter if I'm good or not. That helped me a lot. Is this the type of outing you want to have right out of the break to, to be able to go out there and perform the way you did? Um, so it's tough, you know, after the also break, the first game. But, you know, just I have to do my job and then just focus each pitch. Joe said he, you really wanted to start this game. What was it about coming out of the break that you wanted to do? Uh, you know, um, last year I didn't do anything. So I want to do, I want to pitch every, a lot of games this year. Then I know the first game... After the All-Star break, is tough for a pitcher and everybody. But I, I believe I can do it, so I told him I can pitch. As far as your games here with Chicago, would you say this was your best and cleanest outing? Um, I had a more better feeling before, but resort was better today. As far as your um, you know, being able to be stay ahead of the hitters today, I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like it was a world of difference for you. Um, so when I throw a, stri- a lot of strike from the first strike, 
definitely, you know, they will struggle. So I feel that way. You have to believe that you have outings like this continuously. You're, the winds are going to come. Yeah, for sure. I believe so. Yeah. I think your first uh, maybe seven or eight starts, you had over 30 walks. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been half as many walks mm-hmm. since then. What's uh, what's been the biggest difference for you? How have you, how have you done that? So, um, so last year I had an elbow issue and I was doing rehab for eight weeks or something. And then most of the time, you know, I feel the pain with a fastball. And then always trying to find a, you know, not a pain, you know, how do you say, arm slot. So that's why I did this year, the first, you know, eight weeks always had a, you know, we were feeling for the fastball because of the things. But I don't feel any pain and tightness in the elbow. But I think a brain was remember that. So that's why. But now I'm used to it, so I'm good right now. So you trust it? Yeah, yeah. How much can you change speeds on your curveball? I mean, it seems like there's a variety of them. Yeah, curveball. So before I threw slowest one was 58 or something. And then to hard one, going to be 84, 85. I don't know where you are exactly in terms of you and Joe talking about how long you wanted to go, but would you like to have tried to go even longer? Today? Yeah, I, I you were up there. Yeah, I really want to go, but I always, I always trust Joe. So when he told me change, uh, I will. Uh, I will always say okay. Yeah. You've talked about your confidence a lot. Where's your confidence right now moving into your next start? I told you guys the last outing. I, I'm almost 100 percent and 120 percent right now. <laughs> so I'm good right now. Yeah. That's you, Darvish. Post game yesterday, Bruce. I'm really glad that you suggested and we played the entire thing like that because you hear, you know, four or five second answer from Darvish and you don't really get a feel for how comfortable he is talking about it, how good the English is, and really just how thoughtful he is. And you hear him kind of processing the questions. There's a lot of good meat in there on, on those bones of, uh, of the exchange. Yeah, he, he doesn't concern himself with a soundbite for us. He concerns himself with answering directly questions, whether it's three words yeah. and can be impactful, or seven or eight or, or two sentences. So uh, he's a very well-thought-out guy, and, and, and as you said... You know, to pay, play the essence of it, you get a better feel for you, Darvish, than the, the common soundbite that we normally play with uh, athletes. The arm is so strong and so healthy and so good right now. He's hitting 97 in his final right. inning yesterday. We've seen multiple examples, whether it's going back out after a rain delay and thrown for a couple more innings or Joe sending him in the eighth that time when he needed him or here the first game after the break. Like, let's just go. He's... He's physically right now capable of being the kind of horse that a front-end rotation guy should be, that he has been at times in his career, at least physically capable. And so if the stuff is going to be this good and the control is going to be this good, you could be looking at a very special second half. Well, I, I think you're right. And, and the, the, best, the best thing about uh, Darvish is, is that you saw the full array of his pitches. And you saw the dominant pitcher that you saw against the Chicago Cubs in the playoffs in 2017. And the way that he just dominated with breaking stuff. Uh, At that time, I talked to a a couple of the people uh, on the coaching staff with the Cubs, and they said, we think he might be even cheating because we saw pitches that uh, were breaking ways that we never saw break before. And that's kind of what you saw yesterday with the the full array of breaking stuff and just spotting the fastball. You just spot something at 97, Mm -hmm. and then everything else is just... You know, if you're throwing it for strikes, 
you're a dominant pitcher, and that's what he was. Yeah, and if they're sitting up there and they're seeing first pitch strikes, often on the curveball, as you mentioned, Bruce, 13 of 21 batters got first pitch strikes yesterday. So he's getting ahead right away. And I love what he had to say there about he was throwing the split finger to the lefties and they weren't chasing. So he's got multiple pitches they could chase with. He said he went to the changeup and the lefties started chasing the changeup. Right. This is a very cerebral player. Sure and, is. And now, now that he's healthy and he's feeling comfortable, and that's the number one thing we heard about, Matt, feeling comfortable about uh, being in a place. People talked about it before he was, when he was a free agent, whether or not uh, everything had to be perfect for you, Darvish, to go somewhere and be competitive and win. And now you see that it did take some time. He did deal with injury. And now he's, he's in that mode of, I can be a dominant pitcher. Let's see if it plays out over the next 71 games or not. Uh, you know, it's interesting. The way Joe Madden referred to it before and after the game yesterday was he's more comfortable in his Chicago skin. Right. Right? And so, so yeah, he's, he's comfortable and asks for the ball to start the second half. John Lester appreciated that he gets another day of rest over the break, and he will go today with Jose Quintana tomorrow. So, Good stuff out of yesterday. Um, can we talk about what kind of complete ball player Jason Hayward is for a second? Because he makes a brilliant play in right field on that low liner. He makes another good catch there later. He has a really heady stop, a holdup actually at third when he could have made an out at home on the near wild pitch when the bases were loaded. You remember that? And then, of course, two for four with the beautiful opposite field single to score Chris Bryant with the winning run. We're so used to seeing um, Hayward's overall game be good, but the hitting be bad. It's nice that the hitting is good enough that you can just kind of relax and see the overall ball player that he is. Yeah, you know, and that's a great point that you make, Matt, that you, you lose the essence of a player when one part, and in particular hitting, is not functioning. And, uh, you know, everybody would kind of, you know, gnashing their teeth and, and talking about, Hey, we signed him to $22 million. He's not hitting like a $22 million player. But what he's always brought is a great teammate, a great clubhouse presence, one of the best right fielders in the history of uh, the Cubs, including Andre Dawson, hmm. uh, the, one of the best base runners on the team, you know, a, a heady guy. So now that you see the six-war player that they thought they were getting when they signed him is coming, you know, to uh, fruition here in uh, year four of this contract. Is it going to stay? I, I don't know. I mean, he's on pace for, you know, 20 to 22 homers and, and having a, a more RBI than he normally has. But this is good enough when he's hitting in the clutch and he's doing all his other things. So it's, it's a point well taken. And, uh, and the fact that, um, you know, he is an all-around player is important to note. Jason Hayward and Kyle Schwarber, they'll be joining the scores Lawrence Holmes on Monday as he hosts at the Budweiser Brickhouse Tavern in Wrigley for the second luncheon of the 2019 Cubs on Deck Series. That's cool. Hayward, Schwarber with Lawrence this Monday. Tickets are on sale now at 670thescore.com slash on deck, presented by Timber Tech and Xfinity. Part of our show today, Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs to join us in the 940 uh, segment. Bob Nightingale, the great reporter for USA Today and columnist, will join us at 1030. And you 
our great baseball fans, 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. Yeah, let's talk about the second half for both these teams uh, in advance of Kyle Hendricks, uh, kind of what you want to see out of the second half and how things have begun already. 312-644-6767. We'll talk leadoff, among other things, when we come back on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A swing and a line drive. Base set to left. Bryant around third. He's going to try to score. The throw by Reynolds to the plate. The slide. He's safe. Cubs lead. Jason Hayward a run scoring single. Cubs lead 4-3. to three. Pat Hughes on the call yesterday in the radio booth on 670 The Score. It's a good place to be when you're calling a game. I agree. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Good good place to be when Pat's calling a game. And you you had the pleasure of being a part of that broadcast yesterday as you were doing the pre and post game. Yeah, first time I've got the chance to work with Pat. Usually Zach is in for Pat when I'm filling in for Zach. This was Zach filling in for Coomer. And Pat, it was really cool, man. You know why? In part because... Pat had a little more room without Ron Coomer there to to add stuff and talk. And what Pat chose so, to add was really interesting. So Ron gets in the way is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> Ron had a good run. No, no. <laughs> no, no it, it's, I, you know, I, you know I understand what I mean? exactly what you're saying. It's, yeah. a, it's a different broadcast. For sure. Their broadcast is sensational together, but there was... You know, when when a broadcaster is with a different partner, yeah, you uh, you adhere to what their strengths are and their cadence, and that's exactly what you were uh, privy to. Yeah, this hour is brought to you by Sharp Vision Modern LASIK, and Pat Hughes spent some time just before that uh, RBI single talking about Chris Bryant's base running. And Chris Bryant is a terrific base runner, isn't he? He's great at cutting those corners nice and tight. He, uh, he had a quote about it after the game. He said, that's my game right there, scoring from second, scoring from first. I've been doing that for so long in college, Little League, and pro, something I've always practiced. It's the easiest part of the game to control, and I always take pride in that, as Chris Bryant on his base running. Pretty yeah, cool. And, and what was the key to that? It's called a secondary lead. And uh, nobody runs the bases better on the Cubs than Chris Bryant. Now, Javier Baez is a more exciting runner than anybody on the Cubs. But when it comes to the the fine art of running bases, Chris Bryant's game is missed in many ways because of the fact that most people still think, hey, he should be hitting 45, driving in 130, and you lose the essence of the improvement at third base, the best base runner on the team, the guy that tries to hit to right field when people need it, uh, need a ball hit that way or a runner needs to be moved. So he's a complete player. Uh, we kind of lost that essence uh, last year during the injury plague season. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the, uh, you know, the year before and the year before that, you know, MVP, Rookie of the Year, you know, what's the ceiling? 50 homers, 140 RBI. And, you know, he's just a... 
He's just a top war player that helps you win in so many ways every day. Yeah, uh, it, it, that second. Yeah, I agree completely. That secondary lead that you mentioned, that's the first thing Joe Madden talked about in the postgame. Why does he appreciate that kind of thing so much and tell people that secondary lead? So once the pitch starts to come, you go and get a few right. extra steps. That won the game. So Hayward's hit won it. But the way that Bryant was able to get the proper secondary lead and score uh, a half of a foot ahead of a very good throw from the outfield yep. was the essence of the win. 670, the score is where we are. 67011, if you want to get to us via text. Uh, Kyle Hendricks coming up in just a few minutes here on the score. Yeah, let's uh, go to River North and uh, talk to Matt. Matt, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. He's. Matt, I'm Bruce. You're Matt. Uh, just a quick question for you, Bruce. Two questions. One, Robel Garcia. I'd like to see him to get a legitimate shot to play, see what he can do. <clears throat> I've been pretty impressed. The ball jumps off his bat. He's fast. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of defender he is, but you could always use Russell as a defensive replacement. And two, who's this year's Steve Pierce? Is it Neil Walker? Is that some guy you can get cheaply and come in and just knock the cover off the ball? Um, you know, that's what I think. Teams always teams that win find guys like that. I think it's Eric Sogard. That that might be the guy that they're looking at. What would they have to give up to get him? I, I don't know. I can't tell you, but I think that that's exactly the type of player they're looking for the top of the order, Matt. And thanks, thanks as always, for your call and your input. Uh, Matt Spiegel, um, you're, you're looking at a team that uh, is in need of a top-of-the-order hitter, and that's not to disparage, uh, you know, Schwarber. That's not his strength. He should be hitting five and six, using that great power and the ability to drive in runs down there. Uh, again, at the top of the order, you did the research uh, in the pregame. You found them 26th, I believe, in uh, baseball in on-base percentage for the number one hitter on the team. So from that perspective, uh, they are out there looking, and Sogard is one of those guys that has been an in-and-out extra player uh, most remembered for the Brewers, now with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's uh, featuring a 366 on base percentage right now, having a good year, almost doubling the home runs that he's ever hit in baseball uh, in the first half of the season. 33 years old, second baseman, can play short and third as well, so it'd be nice and useful around there. A free agent to be at the end of the year, so it would be a rental. It's an 845 OPS right now. Through 61 games, 265 plate appearances. This is not a guy who's ever had more than 410 plate appearances in his life. Um, he is having easily the best year of his career offensively. Um, and, and shouldn't cost you too much for a team that is clearly in sell mode for anything like this in the Toronto Blue Jays. And again, everybody that they've tried at second base, with all due respect to, to Russell and Descalso and Zobris earlier in the year, you know, they've gotten no production. And David Bodie is a really nice piece to have as a pinch hitter, as a backup, as a guy to play third, a guy to sometimes play second, uh, a, a guy to have. But it doesn't seem like they want to give him that second base job every day and just put him out there. I just don't think that they feel that that fits for him. He, he is, a, as you said, a super sub. Uh, he has intelligent bats. But I don't think, you know, with the strikeout ratio, that he is the answer at the top of the order as well. That leadoff spot, as you mentioned, Bruce, 26th in Major League Baseball and on-base percentage from the leadoff spot. That's a 304 on-base percentage. Um, below them, Miami, Baltimore, Detroit, 
The Cardinals are below them. That's because Matt Carpenter has been pretty bad, a 704 OPS for Carpenter. Interestingly enough, the Brewers are right above the Cubs at 25th. It's because Lorenzo Cain has been brutal. I didn't realize. I hadn't looked at it in a while. His OPS is 655 right now. Yeah, he's just had a you know, total opposite year last year where both he uh, you know, and uh, Yelich were the talk of baseball for the entire season and drove him to within you know, a game of going to the World Series. So from all of that, uh, you know, people talk about the disappointing first half for the Cubs. Not, not many people talk about how disappointing the Brewers' first half after winning a division, one more game than the Cubs, almost going to the World Series. So uh, they have an awful lot of work to do. Their pitching uh, needs an awful lot of help. Uh, they, they are not the complete t- team that they were last year at this time. No, either one of them had a chance to run away with this division over the past month or so, and neither one has done it. Right. So interesting that you brought up the name of Eric Sogard first. We've heard Whit Merrifield saw a report yesterday, I think it was from Bob Nightingale, our guest at 1030, that Whit Merrifield is not going anywhere for the Royals, that the Royals want to hold on to him. Well, basically they're asking for three, and this is you know from a source that is uh, very well connected with the Royals, they're, they're looking for three major league-ready players if they're going to trade Merrifield. Three MLB-ready yeah, guys. Guys, zero, zero to three. They're, they're not interested in the long term. Uh, I'm told Kansas City is looking for a quicker rebuild. They, they're not looking for six or seven years or like it took eight years right. uh, when they first went back into this other rebuild uh, when they brought uh, Dayton Moore from Atlanta to run that team. So... Uh, they don't think their marketplace could handle trying to rebuild the attendance if they have a long rebuild. So they are, if they're going to trade Merrifield, they're going to get three major league ready players back. So other names that we've heard, actually, we'll we'll talk some trade pieces a little bit later on. I think I, I think after Bob, but like uh, Howie Kendrick, David Peralta, right. some of these other names out there. Interesting that you went to Sogard first. You're hearing his name float around quite a bit, I guess. Yeah, unless I made it up like I usually do. Oh, uh, I don't I mean, think so. It's, I mean, it's, Sam it's, Sam Smith, is that you? <laughs> No, it's 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 a it's a pos, it's a very possible name, and so is Freddie Galvis. Although he you know he's also mm. available, but he doesn't have the on base percentage, so he's a three oh six on base percentage guy, but a very valuable piece and an energizer on a team. So these are the type of guys that the Cubs will be looking at, and hopefully. Maybe bring someone in over the next three weeks. Smart at bat, I thought, from Robel Garcia yesterday, who Matt brought up, finding a pitch that he could drive right away on the sacrifice fly and doing so to yeah, right field. And I always caution, when a new player comes up, give it two or three weeks to breathe before you start making predictions. Uh-huh. He did have a 40% strikeout ratio in the minor leagues. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk to Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs will be the guest that's coming up next right here on Inside the Clubhouse. The bottom of the hour, by the way, brought to you by Northwestern Football. Don't miss your chance to watch Big Ten football at Ryan Field this fall as the number 17 Northwestern Wildcats host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale now at nusports.com. It's Inside the Clubhouse. Kyle Hendricks is next on The Score. tried showing this movie to my uh, to my family stepdaughters and the wife dazed and confused that uses sweet emotion as part of the baseball scene and I think that's where Kyle Hendricks got this sweet emotion song for his uh, his pitching warm up and his batting walk up the movie I, I love the movie but it doesn't uh, it doesn't grab everybody 
It's not it's not for everybody, Bruce. Did not see, but I I will put it on the list. If you remember the seventies and smoking things, then I, you'd I, probably I, I remember. I remember and have forgotten the seventies. <laughs> I think that's perfect. I think yeah. that's exactly the way it's supposed yeah. to go. No, that, that's uh, not, that's easy for my group. And it comes back around. Uh, John Lester against Jordan Lyles today. Jose Quintana against Trevor Williams tomorrow. They have yet to announce starters for the Cubs. Uh, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against the Cincinnati Reds at Wrigley Field. Right. Um, you know, will Alzali end up coming back? We shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, our friend Mr. Hendricks will be pitching on Tuesday. Uh, we know this. So we know that Tuesday is, well. is his and, day. Uh, speaking of Kyle Hendricks, he joins us uh, here on the score, 670thescore.com, uh, on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? Morning, Bruce. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing really well. Hey, uh, I want to start with um, baseball protocol with you and how a pitcher internalizes and absorbs taking care of his own hitters and his own teammates. You know, when you have the chippiness that has been uh, teams in your division and Pirates in particular throwing a lot at some of your players, and some of it is part of the game. You must keep guys off the plate and there's a proper way to throw inside uh, off the letters and move players back. But when you come up to the shoulder and the head, everything changes. And as a pitcher and as pitchers for the Cubs, how do you guys gear your responsibility to stay in a game, win a ball game and still protect your own teammates? Yeah, I think our focus at the end of the day is always to do whatever we need to do to win. So whatever whatever is smartest and best to win that given day is obviously our top priority. But as a group, you know, we always want to have each other's backs and just make sure the game is being played the right way. So, yeah, as pitchers, we practice a lot of how to throw inside and throwing inside the right way. And if uh, things end up happening, then we just talk amongst ourselves, among, you know, as a group and figure out the best way to take care of it. You know, it, it's so dangerous. You're, you're holding a, a weapon up there. You're, are you conscious of that as a pitcher? I mean, you know, people talk about your velocity, but even 87 could really hurt somebody up high there, Kyle, you know? No, so. absolutely, yeah. And like you said, in the, right, in the right spot, if you hit somebody in the wrong spot, it could really be dangerous. So we're, we're very aware of that, and uh, you never like to see any, any injuries like that or, you know, getting anyone majorly hurt. So you want to stay away from all that for sure at all costs. Kyle Hendricks joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Matt. I'm Bruce. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball from 9 to 11 a.m. on the score. Kyle, uh, where are you at in your progress coming back? You, you looked really, really good against the White Sox. You gave up a couple runs and lost, but it was, it was a good outing. Where would you say you're at coming back from, from your initial injury? Yeah, I, I know at least health-wise and physically I feel 100%. So that's the biggest part. Uh, just getting past that injury, my shoulder feels 100% better, and uh, I'm right back into my normal throwing program. So being such a routine-oriented guy and you know someone who relies on feel, it's just good to be back in my everyday throwing routine. And now my timing was just a little off. You know, my last couple starts in Pittsburgh and Chicago and against the White Sox when I came back. So. It's just getting back in that routine, using my bullpens again to my advantage, and just getting the feel that I kind of had before the injury. And uh, I feel really, really close. So it, it isn't too far off, and I'm just excited that I can throw every day again. Would you be good enough to explain to us how the dynamic works of a player, and in your case a pitcher, coming off the DL, discussing with the front office, the pitching staff, and the medical 
team when you're ready, when they feel you're ready, and how that dynamic takes place as far as when you say uh, you're ready to pitch and where. Because uh, part of the you know part of the dynamic for Major League Baseball players are you know once you're once you're deemed ready in your mind to come back, you're supposed to be able to pitch in the major leagues. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, what it comes down to is we have a really, really good medical staff here uh, in the organization, and we just trust each other. They can, they trust us as players, knowing how we we know how our bodies feel, and we've pitched for a long time, so we kind of know we know how, when it feels good and when it feels bad. But other than that, I mean, our our medical staff they've seen a lot of injuries. They've been around the game for a long time, so we also trust them and their opinion and what they've seen and. The protocol for the timeline, you know, let's say of, of certain injuries. So uh, it's just a back and forth, and it's every day you come in and you just communicate how you feel, how you're responding to the things you're doing, and as soon as the timeline starts getting closer um, and you're about to throw, then it's just how lo- how quick do you progress? How quick do you get back onto the mound and in a game? And for me, uh, we were almost going to do a rehab start, but. You know, unfortunately, something happened with Cole, and he ended up going down. So it just it just happened to work out that instead of really going to do a rehab start, I just threw three innings there in Pittsburgh as my first one. And that was going to be the only tune-up I kind of was going to have, and then I was going to be back in the rotation. So um, I guess it just depends on your injury. But when it co- what it comes down to really is that we trust the medical staff here. They've, they've seen a lot of things, and, and they do a really good job of trusting us. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score, along with Kyle Hendricks. And, Kyle, I've learned so much by watching you pitch and by having conversations with you about pitching, whether it's tunnels or how the change-ups work with your fastballs, one works with each, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I want to ask you, I'm looking at your zone percentage, so it's the number of pitches you've thrown in the strike zone, and this is the highest of your career. And I'm remembering – the complete game you had where the pitches were in the 80s. And I'm wondering if you've, you've seen people not being as aggressive as they have been in the past against you because they're figuring you're going to try and throw those change-ups and make them chase, and then you are smartly just going right at them and throwing strikes. How often has that been the case this year? Yeah, that's very true, actually. I wasn't aware. I didn't know I was throwing you know the most strikes I have in the zone, but um, I do know that as far as pitching-wise this year, uh, they have been a little patient uh, overall early in the count, so I think that's when I've been stealing my strikes in the zone. And from there, I've been using my fastball a lot. I think a lot of teams have kind of been waiting for my changeup or trying to hit that, so I've really relied on my fastball command, and that's what really hasn't been there since I've come back from the injury. Uh, My fastball command's just been a little off, so that's where my focus is, getting back to that. Um, Everything works off my fastball for me, and like you said, that's when I get two and three pitch outs, pitch the contact early instead of getting these deep counts that I've been getting lately and and getting all the way to 3-2 with some guys. So is that something that changes from game to game based on what you and the catcher are seeing, whether to be aggressive against an entire lineup or or, or, or whether to try and have them chase a little bit? Yeah, definitely. It changes game to to game, and it can change inning to inning or even batter to batter. Um, And that's where Wilson comes in and even Caratini. I work more with Wilson, obviously, and so – we just have a, such a good uh, relationship, and he has such good feel of what hitters are trying to do off of me, and he knows he knows what I throw and what I do so well. So we're able to make adjustments, you know, pitch to pitch, and even batter to batter, which 
really just keeps us kind of ahead of the game. But, yeah, it's all realizing how aggressive a guy's trying to be, what he's really trying to look for or sit on, and just make sure you don't give him that. Kyle, uh, the second half has been owned by the Cubs uh, mostly uh, over the last four years, best winning percentage of any team by far in the second half. But uh, relying on that and making that uh, into something that is tangible for 2019, that remains to be seen. How do you guys look at that? And is it something that uh, gives you guys just a little bit more energy, knowing that it's all in front of you? You you had a half a game going in. Now you have a game and a half after – one game and that, uh, you know, if you play your brand of baseball, you're going to win your division. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, we just have a lot of confidence in the group as a whole that we have here. But that doesn't mean we're relying on how the numbers of the past. So the fact that we've played well in the second half in the past, that doesn't really mean anything going forward this year for us. I think what does matter is, you know, Joe has been the constant here and, and the way that he kind of manages things and gives guys a blow here and there, knows how to manage uh, batting practice, really everything, just the workload for guys. I think that's been the difference maker come the second half, and he's done the same things this year, so I really feel confident that as a whole, guys will be a little more fresh maybe than other other teams uh, here in the second half, but really when it gets down to it, we just have to focus on playing our brand of baseball, and uh, I think starting yesterday with a win, I think we played a lot better defensively, and Darvish really set the tone, being aggressive, going at guys, and making good pitches. So that's where it starts with us is pitching in defense, and that'll be our, our focus for the second half for sure. You mentioned the job that Joe does in, in giving you guys rests and how intuitive he is and, and locked in with you on that. What happens in that clubhouse when you guys hear rumors of Joe being in trouble, of his job being in trouble? What, what happens to, to you guys in, in your heads and in conversation, if anything? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's really not talked about a whole lot because our focus is just task at hand, and there's always so many things that are talked about on the outside. You know, if you, if you were to worry about all those things, you would go crazy. So, you know, we, we hear everything for sure, but um, we really don't pay attention to it. And we, we all love Joe so much. He's done so much for all of us, and – Really just uh, the environment that he's created around here and the winning mindset is, you know, is awesome and it wasn't here before. So, um, and I, particularly for me, I love everything he's done for me and the trust he's putting in me. So, like, we're just focused on this year, I think, even the players. We're, we're focused day to day, and we know if we take care of business here that everything will work out for the best. In closing with you, Kyle, and Matt and I appreciate your time greatly today. Um, is it a waste of time for pitchers to worry about the baseball and how it flies out at this point in time, knowing that it's going 7 to 10 to 12 extra feet on average and that normal fly balls are home runs? Is it something that you just have to put out of your head? I think you do because at the end of the day, it's still an even playing field. Uh, both sides are playing with the same baseball. Um, you know, So we're going out there playing the same game. Um, so at the end of the day, the focus still has to be making good pitches, playing good defense, making the plays that are, you know, that need to be made. And from there, uh, we're going to hit some fly balls probably that end up going out that shouldn't have, and the other team probably is too. So I think it evens out as the season goes along just because we are, both sides are playing with the same ball. So to, to really worry about that is uh, really not needed, I think. So we need to keep our focus just on playing the best game and playing the best baseball that we can. We appreciate it very much, Kyle. See you out at the ballpark. Thanks again. Have a great second half. Of course. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kyle.
Kyle Hendricks of the yeah. Chicago Cubs. Is he, is he ever bad on an interview? Is no. he ever bad uh, explaining himself? He's such a thoughtful dude, thoughtful guy, such a good guy, and are, you know, very articulate at the same point. You know? So great to have him on, and uh, hopefully he's going to have a big second half for them because uh, they need people to step up now with Hamels still you know, throwing you know, 30, 20, 30 pitches flat ground yesterday, no timeline for him at this point. Yeah, some of my favorite conversations ever about pitching have been with that guy because he's so interesting the way he goes about it, the way he has success, and he's so willing to share it because, as I talked about once with him, he knows that it doesn't matter if the opposition knows what your game plan is. If you execute, especially for him, if he executes – He's going to get the job done, and he has that confidence. He also has the same method and nice way about him that Joe Madden has, and that is he makes your question, regardless of whether other, what other people think, very important to him, and he answers it so directly, and he always puts a positive spin on it, mm-hmm. that, that he makes people feel good about the question they ask and, more importantly, the answer that he gives. Um, before we, we go on to something I know you want to talk about, that we have some cool tape to back up as well, cool sound to back up. Um, I thought yesterday, as well as the Saturday before the All-Star break, Craig Kimbrell's stuff was very, very special, lively, different than it had been in his first several appearances. I think you're seeing now 97, that four-seamer with that excellent carry, and the knuckle curve is just filthy the last two times out. You nailed it, Matt. It's command. So the stuff has always been there. Now the command is coming. When you see that, you're going to see another uh, dominant closer, and that's going to change the dynamic of everything for the Cubs at the end of the ball games, which is going to make that whole bullpen feel and look better. All right, so you asked Kyle Hendricks about pitching inside. Right? We're going to talk about it. Let's do that. Let's talk about it because those pirates, they like to do it. We'll talk about that next. Uh, Bob Nightingale uh, will join us at 1030 with the very latest on everything as we head up towards the trade deadline. And uh, we'll see what he thinks the White Sox are going to do in terms of selling off some of their pieces or not. It's inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 